This is the XC podcast, a instant reaction pod uh, that we're quickly turning around on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we're talking specifically about the NN Valencia World Record Day, which was uh, this afternoon, Eastern Time, and of course, uh, Wednesday evening in Valencia, Spain. Uh, I'm Michael Doyle, and I'm joined, as always, by Alex Sear. Alex, uh, that was exciting. That was something else. I'm happy I took a break from... Well, I'm happy I dropped pretty much anything else that was going on today, because <laughs> that was an hour, hour and a half, super well spent. My God, two races and two big ones. Okay, I'm so... Still, we'll, I'm still coming to terms with it. Well, we'll frame this for anybody who um, who wasn't able to watch or is sort of just like kind of vaguely playing along here. Uh, basically, this is an unusual event for this these unusual times where NN Running Team, which is a Dutch-based uh, sports agency uh, that entirely focuses on, from my understanding, distance runners. They may have some other track and field runners as well, but they mostly focus on distance athletes. That's their specialty. And uh, they represent some of the greatest runners in the world. You might be familiar with it and running because it's that white and orange uh, logo uh, that Elliot Kipchoge has been sporting the last few years. He's the kind of like de facto captain of NN running. So NN running put together this special event uh, today in Spain, which was essentially just a 5,000, a women's 5,000 meter race on the track and a men's 10 K race on the track entirely framed around two of their top athletes who they felt were in form to break pretty legendary long running world records. So let's break, let's break down the women's event first, Alex, uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about, uh, the, the women's 5,000 meter race. So the women's 5,000 meters kind of uh, was announced just a bit later than the men's 10K. You know, it almost seemed like the event was centered around Joshua Cheptegei. It gained a whole lot of traction right after he broke the 5K record. And it's only kind of after that, um, you know, it, the the event also popularized a 5K. And we wondered how they would come up with such a strong field. There didn't seem to be a woman in the world right now who is threatening to break these five 10 K records. So we didn't think that something like that would happen on the women's side. They put let the send bet Gide who has the 15 K uh, road world record, which, you know, I, I think, um, I think we can, we can already know and infer that less people run a 15 K on the road than a 10 K on the track. So obviously a really good runner was she poised to, to break the 5K world record, we weren't sure. But she was the headliner. There were pa pacers with her, Beatrice Chepkoech, who is the steeplechase world record holder, 3,000-meter steeplechase world record holder, and Gide, who hadn't run within 12 seconds of the world record in the 5K, announced that she wanted to break the record. And who has this record? Tiranesh Dababa, who is probably the female equivalent to Kenanisa Bikili, was very, very dominant in her time. Um, 14, 11 was the time. And so Gide was gunning for this record and she showed tremendous fitness. She was just like 
slowly, slowly getting under the time, consistent splits throughout the race, and drops a 14.06.65. So not only beats the record, smashes it, PB by 17 seconds. Um, so quite an amazing race, and she showed great poise throughout. Um, so it was a great start to the day. And, uh, you know, at that point, we hadn't even seen Cheptegei, and it seemed like we pretty much had seen all that we had to see. So Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it was the one. It. It was a really cool start to this event. I mean, obviously a pretty like taut, efficient event, just two races and they just went right back to back. There was no real big leg between the two of them. There was none of that like cutting to the field events or cutting or setting up a hurdling event. So there needs to be a pause or, you know, none of the usual kind of gear shifting that happens in a, in a big track afternoon. And there's something to be said for kind of like hanging out with a track event uh, on a live stream in the background, like a, a diamond league event that kind of plays out over the course over the course of a few hours. But this was nice. This was like a, a real quick and dirty hour in an in change event. And we'll talk a little bit more of the structure of the event. Um, a, after we, we break down this five and then the 10,000 on the men's side, uh, you know, Alex, I thought that I thought that this the, this 5,000 meter world record was going to be a bit of a dud. I'll be honest. Uh, Gide is somebody who, you know, has shown a lot of promise, uh, particularly she's had a good season. She's ran some diamond league events. She's been, she's been pretty competitive, although she's, she's been beat a couple of times. Uh, Sifan Hassan has had her number this year. Um, so I thought to myself, you know, this is like a bit of a soft entry for the world record and uh, maybe setting this young athlete up to uh, to fail she's only 22 years old but she ran with such poise and such structure uh to the race uh, it's it, i mean the split she knocked off were quite impressive and i think it was like she finished the five thousand meter race cr crushes the world record and you're just kind of like oh shit the the headliner joshua chepta guy who just got like shown up by the opening act like this 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 was so thrilling and so much more exciting and entertaining than i guess i'd i'd an anticipate it to be and then you start to get worried because you're just like uh-oh um you know the ten thousand meters is let's face it uh, it's a more it's a challenging race to 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 be fully invested in for the you know sub 27 minutes that you've got to put into watching it um it's a tough sell it's one that they always have a tough time with in the Olympics, right? Uh, and they always cut away from it when they're doing the Olympic coverage. So, you know, all eyes were going to be on chapter guy after the fact, and Gide just, like, nailed it. So let's go through some of the stats here. Um, so she she broke the world record, as you said, that was held by Ternish Tababa. It was a 12-year-old 12, 12 world record. That's a long time. Um there's been quite a few athletes that have come and gone that uh, in this 12 year span that, you know, we thought maybe could have challenged that time uh, and, and, and hasn't the previous records pacing was uh 433 mile or 250 kilometer, which is just smoking fast. And so that's that, that rounds out to about 68 second laps. So uh, Gide just did slightly better than that. You were live tweeting the event for the XC's, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter profile, um, for our Twitter. I don't know why I'm having a difficult time saying that. Uh, what, what were some of the, some of the standout sort of statistical, uh, numbers that you were looking at as you were watching this race unfold? 
you're having a tough time because you're Gen Y. Let me just put that in there. Uh, what? Okay, this is one thing I saw. Um, and if 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 you know us, you know it doesn't make any sense because Michael's the techie one out of the two of us. Um, one thing that struck me watching this race uh, was the announcer's commentary after her first kilometer. So her Gide's first kilometer was a two fifty one, which equates to a fourteen fifteen pace. So right off the bat, she was slower than world record pace. So that's usually yeah. not how you want to start a world record attempt. You know, you want to have a few seconds in the bank or at least be bang on. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a second per kilometer, but that adds up. And the announcer didn't seem concerned because he said the plan was to start a little bit slower and then to get faster throughout the race, which I thought was an interesting tactic. He said that 68s, they were going to aim, they're going to aim to start in a 68, 69, go down to 68s and then start clicking 67s for the last few kilometers. And that's what she did. So it's, I'd like to, I'd like to um, see how other world record attempts happen. And I, don't think that's usually how that happens. They usually go for a pretty even split. And also this time they're chasing the lights in the, in, on the inside rail of track, which are called the, I don't think we have it. The, uh, we in, were struggling with trying to like come up, come up with this for, I mean, I mean, this is but a Google search away, but uh, I was like, it is, is it called, search. they called a lightsaber. Why does that name ring? I was like, fucking lightsaber. It's star Wars. Um, the, whatever the lights that they've now put on the track which is a um which we should talk about a little bit i wonder i'd love to i'm sure there'll be a study at some point whether or not they're a psychological advantage whether or not they are actually helping you what the what the amount of help it is is it is it is it good for a second is it good for five seconds who knows uh certainly they seem like they're a help to a certain degree although the commentators were saying that some of the feedback athletes have been giving this year who've run on the track with with this light, uh, basically what it is, is it's um, a light, a series of lights that light up along the rail of the track and indicate where the world record or whatever mark they're running for is running at. And what they do is they structure it uh, consistently. So it's a consistent flow. Um, so for Gide running the 5,000 meters, her and her pacers were sitting at that 67, 68 second lap. And that's how, so that's why they were actually behind for the first few laps because their strategy was to actually take it a little slower than world record pace and then, and then ease into the race, which I, I find interesting. Um, yeah, that technology is fascinating. Yeah. Right? Which makes that even more impressive. Yeah. For, for Gide to, to stick to her guns and not just go with the lights makes it even more impressive and i noticed and if if some of you watch joshua chapter guys 5k world record back in august they had the same technology but i think they even upped it a notch because there were two colors of lights on the track today there were the blue lights and the green lights and i think the way that i understood and i think this is right is the blue lights uh were their goal pace they, they were moving at the speed of their goal pace and the green lights were moving exactly at world record pace. So you could see maybe a few meters of separation between the blue and the green just to show that they, you know, they wanted to go just as slightly faster than the world record. Um, so you saw this in, in Gide's race and also in Cheptegei's race. And uh, I also would like to see studies because 
if Chepta guys and Gides as well, but especially Chepta guys, if his two world records are any indicator, they must be excellent to pace because my God, he was even today. 62, 63 throughout. Yeah. The, he, he did the same in the 5,000 meters and we'll get into that in a second, but um, just wrapping things up with the, with Gides race here. Um, oh, I, she's got a lot of range too. Cause as you said before, she's a, a she's run the fastest time ever for a, 15k on the road which obviously as you said before is a seldom challenged distance but still that shows a great deal of range uh so she's a fascinating runner to keep your to keep your eyes on uh she's ethiopian she's uh 22 years old obviously is going to be a huge favorite going into the olympics next year asterisk if we have them um and so that i mean crazy race super exciting really fun to watch and I love that the it was like undivided focus on these events. That was like undivided focus on what she was doing and on what this track, this this five thousand meter race was all about. And then they immediately roll into uh, the ten k. So let's set up the ten k. Uh, Joshua Cheptegei, Ugandan runner, he has totally dominated in the COVID era, like the. The pandemic is Joshua Cheptegei's era now. Like he he owned the track this year and the roads. He's raced three times in this calendar year, and he set three world records now, which is, I don't know if there's ever been a, a three for three on that level. Um, and he's also, his last race in the end of 2019 was also, a world record. So, uh, do you have those numbers in front of you, Alex? I'm just trying to dig those up here. What those those performances were and the times, because um, it's a, it's a colossal run. It's like a run I can't even think of a run that's ever been matched before. That's that's maybe the best four in a row performances in athletic. Certainly, I think athletics history. If not, I mean, like that's. That's up there with this with in sports history for sure. I mean, it'll get downplayed. It'll get it'll get or it'll get overlooked, obviously, because track and field doesn't get doesn't get the love that it, it needs. I got the numbers here. Um, here we go. December two thousand nineteen road ten k world record in Valencia twenty six thirty eight February twenty. Sorry, go on. That's been that's that's been beaten. Just a small asterisk. That's Veronics right. Caputo did beat it, but at the time that was the record. Yeah, February twenty twenty, twelve fifty one five k on the road in Monaco, world record. Mm-hmm. August fourteenth, on the track, five thousand meters, twelve thirty five thirty six world record takes down Kenanisa Bekele's uh, long standing five thousand meter world record. And then obviously today, the world record in the 10,000 meters with a official time of, what's the official, official time we've got now? Hold on here. The latest I've seen was 26.11.02. Yeah, it stands at that. And that that stood at that. Okay. So yeah, and... We should also mention the Cheptegei, as far as the as far as fifteen k uh, road records go, Cheptegei has the the fifteen k road record for the men in forty one oh five. So um, he does still hold four world records right now, and yeah, I think you know you mentioned this when we were talking during the race. He should very much be considered 
one of the goats. Like you have you have Kipchoge in the conversation for his consistency in the marathons and his times. You have Kenanisa Bikili in the conversation for the records that he broke, but now he has no more records. So I think at this point we really have to consider Joshua Cheptegei as one of the all-time greats, which is which is scary to think because he's 24. And now I think the next thing is is to look forward. There's certainly uh, I think he's going to follow some sort of Bikili trajectory and hit the roads. He's going to debut in the half marathon next month, I believe it is the World Half Marathon Championships. You kind of had a quabble about that. Because he hasn't actually run a marathon to qualify, but half I'm marathon, guessing that he yeah. has world record. Or sorry, a half marathon, and I think he has world record privileges at this point. I don't think they're going to deny him. No, yeah, and I mean, God, he's got to be a shoe in for running well under an hour. Uh, but onto this 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 performance, very much like the five k, the five thousand meter on the track performance. Uh, earlier through and it was in august extremely consistent like you could set a watch to this guy uh unlike uh gide's uh, performance just before it uh where she kind of um eased her way into the race and got going and then surged ahead uh in order to close out the world record chapter guy was right on and so when you're watching those lights around the track that indicated uh where the pacers should run and where the world record sat chapter guy was like right in that world record pocket like i think virtually the entire right i don't know if he moved out of it really i mean he, he slipped back from it very 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 slightly at one point about halfway through and made an adjustment and got back into it again and then sort of pushed ahead of it by a obviously just you know a couple of seconds at first in the second half but uh incredible consistency like low 60s uh all the way through and and mental toughness too there were subtleties around the third fourth fifth kilometers and you could tell the announcers kind of wanted to say something kind of didn't he was still following the pacer uh and he was like kind of giving the pacer a bit of a respect gap, like two, three meters, sometimes falling back a little bit. So you wondered if he wasn't feeling well. And then five kilometers hit and the pacer steps off. We weren't quite sure if that was the plan. The pacer was apparently supposed to stay in the race for 5K or more. Um, he he stayed in the race, but he let Cheptegei take the lead. And at that point, his uh, he was nearing on 6K. He stopped um he passed through 6k in 1545 bikili had passed 6k in 1544 and cheptegai was going to be all alone so i think at that point i didn't really have much faith that he was going to break it but that's when the mental toughness came in the three next kilometers is what really made the race so we got bikili's paces per kilometer when he broke the world record and he kind of settled into a pace around 240 241 for K's uh, kilometers seven, eight, and nine, whereas Cheptegei picked it up and held, or sorry, he didn't pick it up. He stayed consistent. Two thirty-five, two thirty-six, two thirty-six were his next three kilometers. So, you know, between kilometers six and nine, he had put 10, 11 seconds on Bikili, and he was way ahead. So that kind of permitted him to uh, to not pick it up too much for a last lap. Like Bikili, if you've ever um, 
if you've ever watched the YouTube video, you remember that of the race, you remember that he finished really hard. He closed into 57. Chepta guy didn't even need to do that because he was so far ahead of the record. And you saw he kind of coasted through the finish line and celebrated a little bit before the line. And that's becoming a trademark Chepta guy thing. Remember last time he made sure to stop his watch before the finish line. But <laughs> by the end, he dropped to 60 because he had so much time on his hands. So again, see, you got to wonder if he did benefit from that um from that light because his splits were so 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 even like i was looking at a a split chart here and he was his slowest lap was still faster than a 64 and all of his other laps were 63 low to 62 low except for his last one so really what he had on bikili was not the pure speed at the end it was it was the pacing essentially yeah i mean he didn't even close I, he didn't even close out with this, you know, usually when you see these world records, you see these like crazy burnstorming last kilometers where they close out in a furious pace and they either push the world record even lower or they actually, they, they, they are able to catch the world record in that final lap and make up a little bit for, for a little bit of lost time going into that final, the bell lap. But in this case, I mean, he did run a little bit faster, but it wasn't a heck of a lot faster. It was just super consistent. It's so impressive. I mean, the question is now, uh, it, he's entered the greatest of all time conversation just by default. When you've got those two world records at the same time, particularly in the way that he did it, which is back to back, essentially, where he uh, just lined them up and knocked them down. I mean, I know we're in a weird scenario right now with, with the pandemic and with access to races being, you know, somewhat challenged or compromised this year, uh, and obviously no Olympics and certain athletes are not competing and so on and so forth. So this created an opportunity for him, but I don't care if I don't care about it. it, it the fact that it was, um, you know, that he had the space to do this, he did it. And that there's a lot of people for a lot of years who thought that Bekele's times would never be broken so i'm just kind of blown away by this i'm i'm blown away by and he's we talked a little bit about mo farah in the past and how he's moved back to the track and now there's going to be this face-off next year in tokyo between he and farah it's like i mean i know that i know that the bbc and nbc will try to hype that up to create some intrigue but like come on they're like this is this is checkers and chess shit man like Chapter guys on a different level. Uh, he's yeah, yeah. I I'd hate I'd hate to be Mo Farah coming into this because it's it's <sighs> pretty much like fighting a losing battle. And you know Mo's had such a great career. And I think when when the narrative kind of unravels between the young and new favorite Chepta guy and kind of the old Nike affiliated Farah. Farah's quickly going to become the villain in this conversation. But, you know, I've, I've always been a Farah supporter. I'd love to see him actually give Chepta guy a good go. But I really think at this point that you're right. It's, it's a checkers chess game. You're racing a 26-11 guy. You're racing a Bikili. You're racing someone who's better than Bikili. Yeah, I was going to say you're racing better than Bikili. Um, yeah. In his prime. And I think... I think that also what's interesting about a guy like Chepta guy is his demeanor and his approach to racing uh, is very different than anything that someone like Mo Farah has faced in his career. Uh, everyone always deferred to, to Farah in the big races and kind of um, waited to see what he would do and showed a great deal of 
you know, quite frankly, fear, if not reverence. And I think a guy like Shepta guy is, we've seen this in his, his cross country background, his, his willingness to take massive risks, right? I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, at the beginning of his career took a huge risk to, to lead the, the world cross country championships in his, his home country of Uganda and Kampala and then completely fell apart and, and did the kind of scary stagger across the finish line at the end and got beat pretty badly by a lot of people after taking that big risk. And I think this is a guy who's totally fearless and going to go for it. So I think that he is um, not only the favorite for the Olympics next year in the five and the 10, but I think he's also somebody that you have to start having a conversation about, you know, where does this guy fit in the pantheon of distance runners? Uh, he's up there. He's certainly our, he's certainly the current generation's Bekele. Bekele has been the, the kind of, the legend of Bekele has been kind of usurped by uh, um, Chepta Guy today. But the one caveat uh, I think I would point to is the one thing that Bekele has that Chepta Guy does not yet have, and it's something that 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 Haile Geber Selassie also had, is longevity. Um, you could argue that with Bekele because he's been injured a lot, but he's also come back a whole lot, and he came back, ran a really good marathon True. to a 141. So give Bikili longevity. Haile Geber Selassie definitely had longevity. Um, that's what I hope to see from Cheptegei because I don't think he can be, even if he has those records, I'm not sure if he can be recognized as one of the very much all-time greats until he repeats it a few times. I'm thinking of Daniel Coleman. This is why I'm making this argument. Daniel Coleman, the Kenyan, who broke that 3K uh, world record, which again is not as contested, you're not contested as often as a 5k or 10k, but he runs a 720. And the story around Coleman is he has these like one or two incredible years of running and then he just kind of disappears, right? And so we never really mention him in the same breath as Ed Bikili and and Gabriel Salasi, even though he gave them a really hard time when they were competing against each other, but or I guess when he was competing against Gabriel Salasi. So I right. think what Chepta guy still needs is 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 longevity, and I hope to see him for 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 years to come. Because um, the crazy thing is is how young he is. You know, 24, 24 years old. If you're an eight hundred meter runner, you might be at your peak. It's hard to say. But as a ten yeah. k runner, as someone who's never hit the roads, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's anywhere close to his peak in all of the races. And you know, perhaps he's maxed out in the five k. It's hard to say. Yeah, but. He's got halves in front of him. He's got full marathons in front of him. Well, this yeah, I mean, right now. We'll 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 see about the road racing. I mean, one thing that was pointed out in the broadcast that I think is is worth keeping in mind is that he early in his career moved to to the the Rift Valley in in Kenya from Uganda and and was training I th somewhere outside of Yaten, uh with I think the global the global sports group. So with Kipchoge's group, I'm not sure if he was with. Kipchoge's inner circle, but he was with that sort of bigger, bigger group. And he was training mostly with marathon runners. And apparently he had a really tough time and didn't like the big mileage and didn't like the big group runs, uh, and didn't, didn't like the big long runs and didn't feel the either not the need for them, but just didn't feel like the approach was his style. The big grind was his style and, uh, removed himself from the situation and, and actually moved back to, to Uganda and found uh, a coaching setup there. So, and obviously it's worked out for him. 
So he obviously knows himself well and is a pretty mature guy for his age. And uh, so who knows if he moves to the road and jumps to beyond the half marathon or not, because it's a different style of training. And at least early in his career, he didn't, he didn't respond very well to it. Uh, one interesting statistic to, to note is, and this is maybe to give Bikele his due, is that uh, only now four men have run under 2630 in history. That's Bikele, Gabrielassi, uh, Palter got, of course, and now Joshua Cheptegei, but Bikele has run under uh, 26, 30, 1, 2, 3, 4 times, whereas all the rest of them only did it uh, one. Oh, Gabriel Selassie ran it twice. So, you know, Bikele in his day was still an extraordinary, you know, still a I think he's still in the conversation for greatest, greatest of all time. He still can he can still get his head on the on the Mount Rushmore of track and field. Uh, but I think that Joshua Cheptegei is definitely in the conversation. We'll have to keep an eye out on things. So uh, before we round this out, Alex, um, what do you think of the event overall? It was kind of like a little treat for us. It was like a, I thought London was kind of kind of be it for a while, but that was that was fun. It was fun. Uh, I think it really catered to uh, the distance runners, distance runner, pretty hardcore fans. You know, they made it free. They broadcasted around the world. Like you mentioned when we were talking before the podcast, they made sure to say that they were broadcasting it for free around the world many times during the broadcast, which which is good. Um, at one point, I checked the amount of viewers on the live stream and it exceeded 20,000 people. That's pretty good um, for that's pretty good for like a, a weirdo one off running event in the middle of the as- afternoon North American time on a Wednesday. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it, there were no interruptions to a 10K. And for the, the, the hardcore distance running fan, uh, however many there are out there. It was kind of a dream. You know, you could see the little intricacies. You could see what K4 looked like. You could see when the pacer stepped off. You could, you know, you didn't miss anything. So it was an event for nerds, but, you know, there are nerds out there. Yeah, so I think it's good. I think a couple of things that were kind of lacking, and obviously because this is like dubbed World Record Day, which it delivered on, you have to be very careful to set up the race the way your your top contenders to break the world record want it. And I, I guess it was seen as being uh, most potentially fruitful uh, if you if you allowed them to just run a very controlled paced race that was totally centered around them. Because none of these other athletes that were in the mix were competing with them really. Um, but I think that the race element of it obviously was missing. Uh, it was a time trial, not a race. And, you know, that's too bad. A race is fun. And in some cases, it will produce a better time because it you get a couple of people pushing each other and it could actually produce a more competitive experience. Obviously, it didn't matter because the we got the world records and they were, it was an exciting thing to watch. And the other thing that I think is should have been maybe thrown in the mix, would have been cool from a viewer perspective, is um, like they did with the hour on the track. I wanted to see like a like a little Bekele running next to Joshua Cheptegei, a little like a little like hologram a holographic Bekele running alongside of him. Um, I, I they did that for the hour on the track um, earlier yeah, this if, year if in they, Belgium, and I thought it was kind of cool. Again, it was 
kind of cool. But if they, it was like the arms didn't bend to the elbows, they're probably still working on that kink. Probably wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one would hope that the technology will get to a place where it's not just like, um, uh, like, you know, when you go to these like, um, like weird, I've never actually been to one, but you see them in the movies, like, uh, weird like sports betting places where they have like the a miniature horse track and it's they're like it's it's basically like a tabletop horse track or whatever and these like little horses are just kind of moving along it, it was kind of like that it was like a freeze frame i think it was geber Selassie who was running uh, the hour on the track against mo farah earlier this summer in belgium and you just had like you kind of had like weird like robot running Gabriel Selassie hologram running. And I think it would be really cool. And maybe this is just too like, uh, this is a bit too 3d chess, but it would be really cool if you actually had the, the actual race that Bekele ran to break the world record previously on the track, uh, virtually being played at the same time. So you could see, you know, it doesn't distract Shepta guy. It's not, he can't see it obviously. Cause this is like a, a, a TV production element, but you can see where Bekele is at any moment on the track in his race. It's just superimposed. I think that'd be kind of cool. Cause you could see the difference in style and how each world record evolved. Right. Which was, which would oppose the lights that just moved at a consistent speed. Yeah. That would have been kind of cool yeah. to add. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I know these are gimmicks, but like the one good thing about this year has been this opportunity to kind of like play with these gimmicks. Um, what do you think about the, the, the stadium? They, it was in Valencia in a very small stadium. I mean, the track's a track, right? It's, you know, it's the same size, 400 meters with however many lanes, but it, it was not a very big stadium, but it was like quite a beautiful stadium. And I noticed that they did have some fans socially distanced in, in the stands. I mean, there's probably only a few hundred people there total, but it was pretty cool because behind the track, you could sort of see the city and there were people gathered outside of the track because the, the stadium walls are low enough that you can actually see from the other side of the road or the street or whatever. And so there were a lot of people like gathered watching as well, which was kind of cool. I mean, it, it seemed like it had a pretty cool atmosphere to it. It did. Um, you know, I, I was just looking this up as you were as you were mentioning the stadium. And one thing I was thinking about is, you know, world record attempts are becoming more and more sophisticated. They pick a certain place because of the climate and because of the humidity and because of the chances that it's going to be windy or not and so on. That's why they were in Monza. That's why they were in Vienna for Kipchoge's record attempts. And so I started thinking, well, they probably picked Valencia for some reason, probably because of the climate. And I just looked at what how how warm it was today. And right now, right now it's 11 p.m. in Valencia, yeah. and it's 29 degrees Celsius. Yeah, it was pretty it's warm. It's very hot. It's pretty warm. Very hot for the. But uh, the stadium was was quite cool. You know, they probably felt like they didn't have to be in a in a huge stadium because they wouldn't be able to have many people in there anyway. Um, like you said, it looked pretty socially distant. Cool a cool um, layout to have people watching from afar from outside the stadium. Um, but that's, that even begs the question, why did they pick Valencia if it's so hot? 
I guess it's like it's like we said in the last podcast when we were doing a um, a live stream of the London Marathon. You know, it was about nine degrees out there, and we said some of the East Africans are probably laboring because they're um, they're used to warmer climates. So you you know perhaps Chepty guy, that's something that's a bit more normal for him training in Uganda. I guess he's probably used to those temperatures. As we're Canadian, we see twenty nine, and we kind of. Like, whew, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, his sweat rate seemed to be pretty high. He was sweating quite a bit. But um, I think when you look at some of the performances last year at in Doha at the World Championships, on the track, the performances were pretty good. It was just in the marathon where they suffered pretty significantly. Uh, well, it was 40-plus there. That's a different story than 29. Anyhow, um, last, last thought. Say we get one – say oh, – don't want to say this, but say that our current new normal continues to be our current new normal for several more months. What kind of other creative, what kind of one-off events do you want to see? I want to see more of these sort of NN, NN's uh, world record day type events where it's, you know, 90 minutes in and out, free global stream, YouTube, highly, well, pretty good production. You know, it could have been better, but it, 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 certainly could have been a hell of a lot worse uh, i thought it was great what what do you want to see you want to see short course marathon you want to see a half marathon world record attempt you want to see some sort of weird distance uh cross country like what do you want to see well we have we have a half marathon world championship coming so we will see that uh we've seen marathon we've seen the 5 and 10k men's records and the 5k women's record go down um so a lot of the boxes are checked. This is something I'd like to see. And I think this actually could be pulled off in COVID times because they would just have to be careful about which countries get to participate. But it would be cool to have like a distance relay country versus country. Um, so let's say you'll have one one person running a mile, one person running a 3,000, one person running a 5,000, and one person running, a let's say, an 800 around the track. Have okay. that the relay. Only countries who countries that um, have their borders open now and where the <laughs> virus is contained get okay. to participate. So, so you have no Americans. You can't have the Americans. Um, okay. But you know, it could perhaps be some sort of a safe event. A relay would be cool. We're kind of losing that, like that patriotic side to running that the Olympics were supposed to bring this year. Kind of country versus country. Um, you'd yeah, have it in, yeah. like I mean, Switzerland, which is neutral. <laughs> yeah, I think that they still they still send a team to the Olympics, Alex. Uh, and, and I, yeah, you know how yeah, but they got I think, no team. I think you know how I feel about um, you know how I feel about nationalism and that whole kind of jingoistic setup around the Olympics. I'm not a fan of it. I don't care about that country bullshit. I think it's dangerous. Uh, I think it's like the lowest form of fandom uh, to cheer for your country. I think individualism is fascinating, in the, particularly in these sports. Um, teams are interesting for team dynamic reasons, not necessarily for country dynamic reasons. And so uh, I, I'm ex I was excited about this event today. I, I do agree with you that like some sort of team dynamic would be cool, but um, yeah, no, I, I, sounds like it sounds like someone cheered for Canada once and got burned or something. No, no, it's not that at all. It's just that 
I think that um, I don't know. We don't. Let's not get into a a a, a politics theory conversation right now. But anyway, I would like to see. What would I like to see? So along the lines of what you're saying, like an ekiden would be cool, which is the the sort of traditionally a Japanese. It happens in Japan a lot. It was invented in Japan. Ekiden is a Japanese word. Uh, could mean relay. I'm not sure. And makes sense if it meant relay, yeah. And um, so yeah, I'd love to see like a, a an ekiden of some kind. Uh, that would be neat. Although I think anything involving a lot of people and a lot of covering a lot of ground is going to be a big problem right now. So. Uh, bring me another uh, closed two-kilometer loop, any di- sort of road distance race. I'll eat that shit up. That that sounds fantastic to me. Give me another marathon on a two-kilometer uh, closed course. Half marathon, half marathon, world championships. Excellent. Excited for them. All right. Um, thanks for joining me, Alex. And uh, Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, thexc.substack.com, and follow us on the usual social media channels at thexc.org. We're going to be uh, feeding the beast regularly, and we have been lately as well. And we're going to continue on throughout the winter. I sense there's 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 some there's some content opportunities. There's stuff coming up. There's the the World Half Marathon Championships. There's that weird marathon project thing happening in Arizona in December. And I think there's going to be some other stuff happening as well. So uh, keep an eye on what we're doing. We're going to cover it all. Uh, Thanks very much.